Hi, my name is Toba and this is Thought Collage. Welcome back to the podcast where we delve into thought-provoking and as you will discover today, controversial topics. Today's episode is a sort of challenging one as we're exploring the sensitive and complex issues of child marriage and pedophilia. A few weeks ago, I was mindlessly scrolling through my Twitter feed. You know, the recent Nigerian elections have actually done that to me. Then I stumbled on a tweet where an allergy in the north was recently married to his new bride. There was something odd about her though. She was not short. She was not a midget. She was not someone with stunted growth. But the bride was actually a child. An 11-year-old child. This led me down a spiral of thoughts. You know, raising questions about cultural norms, religious beliefs, the past and present prevalence of child marriage, the complexities of consent, and ultimately, the ethical implications it might have on our society. Like, why are adults still marrying children if most of us collectively agree that pedophilia is wrong? And what about religion? Does it actually dictate what should be done concerning child marriages and pedophilia? I mean, it's a moral compass for most people. And after doing my research, I'm finally ready to share my findings with you. As a disclaimer, I am strongly against any sexual abuse, including pedophilia. Also, I am not here to corrode or undermine any religion. I am just stating facts and addressing evidence based on my findings. You can refer to the references of the contents that I used in this episode in the description. So, let's get started. Let's lay the foundation for this episode by familiarizing ourselves with what pedophilia actually is and also the terms surrounding it. Let's start with the child. Who is the child in this context? It can be very tricky to determine premises like this. Like, do we use sexual maturity or we just put a cap on the age that determines who a child is? This is a little outside the scope of what I really want to focus on in this episode. So if you really want to hear about all the confusion that goes into all this, and I promise you it's a lot, um, that goes into defining a child and defining who a pedophile is, I'll drop a little Easter egg for you as a bonus episode, you know, because we're still in the Easter spirit. So stay tuned for that. So for the sake of convenience and to avoid misinterpretation, Let's describe a child as a human being between the stages of birth and puberty or between the develop, developmental, wow, so many tricky words here, or between the developmental period of infancy and puberty. The legal definition of a child generally refers to a minor, otherwise known as a person younger than the age of majority. The age of majority in many countries differs. Um, in most countries, it's 18 other countries is trained to one. So for the sake of simplicity, we will relate pedophilia to the legal meaning of a child for the rest of this episode. Now, what about pedophilia? Ideally, pedophilia in itself is not actually illegal or considered a crime. Okay, <laughs> just wait. Don't cancel me yet. Hear me out. Pancakes. They are great, right? 
I, for one, I'm not a big fan of pancakes, but I eat them from time to time. So they will actually be great for this illustration. Now imagine that an intense craving for pancakes was actually a mental illness. It might be odd for someone to be craving pancakes, but hey, we all have interesting thoughts, don't we? Now imagine that that someone who's craving, who has this intense craving for pancakes breaks into another person's house to steal some pancakes. Now that's when it becomes a crime, right? Because you have stolen someone's pancakes without permission. But as long as you don't take someone else's pancakes, you know, as long as you don't take any pancakes, you are still within the boundaries of the law. And in that same way, pedophilia is like that pancake. It's actually a mental disorder that involves an adult sexual attraction to a minor. And just as taking another person's pancakes without permission is against the law, acting on one's pedophilic urges makes one a sexual predator you know, a, a criminal and a child sexual abuser. Are you guessing me? Okay, l- let me use another illustration. Say there's a mountain, right? And a cliff is attached to this mountain. And obviously, cliffs are dangerous because you could fall off this cliff into the chasm below, right? So we have a mountain, we have a cliff, and then there's a chasm below that you could fall into, which is dangerous. Nobody wants to fall into a chasm, Right? Now, imagine that we are all on this mountain, right? We are all having fun on this mountain. And then there's this weird guy who goes towards the cliff. And then he's just staring into the chasm below. This is dangerous, right? We are are on dangerous terrain. And as long as he's still on that cliff, he's okay. But the moment that he jumps into the chasm, that's it. He's in trouble. In the same vein, that mountain... You can think of it as sexual urges, right? We all have sexual urges. I have sexual urges. You have sexual urges, even if you don't want to admit it. We all have sexual urges. So we're all on this mountain enjoying our sexual urges, right? And then there's this weird guy who goes towards the cliff. The cliff is pedophilia, right? So pedophilia is dangerous. It's dangerous terrain, right? But it's still in his mind. Right? He's just having this sexual urges towards children. So he hasn't done anything wrong yet. But the moment that he jumps into that chasm, that chasm is actually a crime. The moment he jumps into that chasm, that is the moment he actually acts on those sexual urges, that's when it becomes a problem. That's when it becomes a crime. And it's then that he jumps into that chasm and it's finished. I hope you understand now. So I'm not cancelled, right? <laughs> Great. Let's move on. Now, child sexual abuse is frowned upon in the majority of its dimensions in this modern age. Almost everyone will agree that an adult cannot just have sexual relations with a child. However, when it comes to child marriage, that's where most of us disagree. According to BMC Public Health, over 700 million women today were married before the age of 18 and over 39,000 girls are getting married every day under the age of 18. And this is happening today. So what, what does this mean? It means even though it is still heavily frowned upon, some cultures and societies are still engaging in it. For example, the allergy that I mentioned who married the 11-year-old. This happened in March 2023. 
people, a lot of people are displeased with this, but is their displeasure actually justified? Where is their own cultures and society also engaging in quotes allowed sexual, allowed child sexual abuse back in the days? This leads us to child sexual abuse in ancient times and to the question how young was too young in the past? Let's take a trip down memory lane. We'll see that child marriages were really an everyday thing. As far back as 1332 BC, an ex who was aged about 16 years at the time, was married to a half-brother who was aged 10 years at the time too. And this happened in ancient Egypt. This is like a mixture of incest and pedophilia. Some very rough terrain. Then in the Middle East, as far back as 1839, Abdul Majid, a very interesting guy, Abdul Majid I, as age 16, was married to two 14-year-olds, two 16-year-olds, and one 15-year-old. At age 17, he married a 14-year-old. At age 21, he married another 14-year-old. At age 22, a 15-year-old. At age 24, a 17-year-old. As age 28, another 14-year-old. Then, as age 29 and 30, he married 16 and 15-year-olds, respectively. This dude was just married anyone but adults. A very strange man indeed. Even in Asia, they married a 10-year-old future emperor to a 13-year-old girl. Interesting times. Then a funny thing also happened in Europe where the 30-year-old prince of Galilee married Cecile of France, who was just aged eight years at the time. Then when the prince was on his deathbed, which was shortly after getting married, he called on Pons, who was the Count of Tripoli at the time. Pons is spelled P-U-N-S. So the prince made Pons promise to marry his bride. Meanwhile, Pons was just 14 years at the time. <laughs> you might think these questionable marriages were only done in the savage and uncivilized parts of the world, like the Middle East, Asia, and Africa, but even England is not left out. Loretta Dolan of Australian Women's History Network, in an article titled Child Marriage in Early Modern England, mentioned our two-year-old, and I repeat, two-year-old Jane Burton had to be carried to church on her wedding day in 1552, and the words of matrimony were spoken for her by an adult. While one three-year-old boy, again, I repeat, three-year-old boy, had to be given an apple by his uncle as a bribe to get him to church for his own wedding. And yes, these marriages were done in churches, which makes you wonder, Religion is usually a yardstick for determining what is right and what is wrong. So, what does religion have to say about pedophilia and child marriage? There are about 10,000 distinct religions in the world, and addressing each one is definitely going to make this episode the longest podcast episode ever. Now, while it would be exciting to break a new world record, let's save that for another time. So of these 
10,000 religions, about 72% of them are Christians or Muslims or the non-religious sects like the agnostics and the atheists. So I'll just address these groups since they take the majority. And with the absence of religion in the non-religious sects, I believe you can just skip over them. When it comes to Christianity, the lines are a little bit blurry. Historically, in the Catholic Church, the minimum age for being betrothed was just seven years, and the marriageable age was at the age of puberty, which was declared as 12 for girls and 14 for boys. Now, take note that this was way back when, right? Then in in 1917, a new canon law was made. The marriageable age was adjusted to 14 for girls and 16 for boys. Now, the canon laws was just a fancy way of saying church constitution. They are a set of rules made by church leadership and they are not, and they are not particularly biblical. Like, the Bible didn't say 14-year-old boys are allowed to get married, right? So, what exactly does the Bible say about this? Now, in my research, I found that the Bible leaves hints of leading children astray or making children sin like it was mentioned in the book of Luke, chapter 17, verse 1 and 2. But the Bible doesn't specifically mention anything about addressing the issue of pedophilia, just saying that um, don't lead children into sin. That's what it said. But marriage is not a sin. So what if someone marries a child and then goes ahead to sleep with this child, to have sex with this child? Does that make it right? Islam, on the other hand, is an open book when it comes to child marriage. I mean, the Holy Prophet Muhammad, or is it Muhammad? The Holy Prophet married a six-year-old, then consummated her when she was just nine years old. If you don't know, consummate is just a fancy word for having sex after getting married. So, with this, you can imagine the opinions that his followers would have on child marriage. I probably shouldn't say more than that. So, other religions also have questionable support around pedophilia that their followers may or may not have turned a blind eye to. But that's a story for another day. As we have observed together, we can see some gray areas around the support of child marriage and ultimately pedophilia in some religions, religions that should serve as moral pointers. As civilization progresses, what is right and what is wrong will change. Are religious books, which are often resistant to change, are they recommended for certain laws as most of their followers usually believe they should? I mean, I don't know about other bo- other holy books because I had a Christian background, but the Bible literally said to not change or alter its contents or its meaning, leaving little to no room for adjusting some biblical laws. Now, this is just my opinion and I might lose half of my listeners for this, but I don't think the holy books are sufficient enough for certain laws that govern how we live. The Bible left an open door by saying to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, but what if what belongs to Caesar 
also belongs to God. This is one of the reasons why religious extremists from different religions might keep rising up. These people are people who won't stop intensely embracing the old laws of their religion, which, by the way, heavily contradicts the constitutional laws of modern times. Child marriage is just one example of that. It was once practiced freely, but now it is considered immoral and unethical. So, what was once considered acceptable and even probably necessary can turn out to be recognized as harmful, immoral, and detrimental to specific groups of people, like children, if not everyone. Most religious brew books were even written in ancient times, and in one way or the other, they were based on the laws of the period that they were written in, which is evidence in the case of child marriage. But that's just me. What do you think? So far, we've talked about the meanings of pedophilia and who a child is, at least in the case of this episode. We talked about child marriages in ancient times and their prevalence in modern times too. Then we discussed the complexities of religion and its role in child marriage. And finally, we concluded by summarizing our findings and also acknowledging that, ch- that child marriage and pedophilia are, a complex and controver- are complex and controversial topics that require careful consideration from legal and ethical perspectives and even moral perspectives too. And that's it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Thoughts Collage. As always, I hope you found this informative and thought-provoking. As I promised, your Easter egg is waiting for you in a bonus episode, which will be coming out in a week or so. So stick around. And speaking of which, don't forget to subscribe on any of your favorite platforms so you can stay updated on new episodes as soon as I release them. And if you enjoyed the show, please do leave a rating and a review as this really helps me to reach a wider audience. Also, I would love to hear your feedback on this episode or any suggestions for future episodes. Um, I would leave a contact for you to do that in the description. Right now, I've not finalized what that contact is going to be. I'm thinking maybe my Instagram handle or my Twitter handle or maybe just an email. I don't know, but in post-production, I'll determine that and it will be in the description. So, do check out for that if you'd like to contact me. And yeah, that's it. Again, thank you for listening. My name is Toba and until next time, keep thinking and remain awesome. Thank you.